Last week, we talked about how Sweeney Todd connects to another movie we're talking about next week, Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy. This week, we have another such spooky October connection. We are talking about South Korean director Nahan Jin's 2016 psychological horror film, The Wailing. What's which has many of the same elements as Billy Friedkin's The Exorcist, which we're talking about on Halloween. Another film that's reminiscent of The Wailing that we've discussed is Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden that came out the same year. They both deal with the horror inflicted on the Korean people during Japanese imperial rule and the scars left behind. However, maybe more than anything else, the visceral, gory, and absolutely insane experience of watching The Wailing just by sheer brutality, might be like nothing else but the film Possession. However, none of these comparisons really do it justice. The Wailing manages to fit all the spiritual and supernatural elements you can really think of, from zombies to shamans to exorcisms, to witchcraft and ghosts, into a story about the lingering violence and brutality of Japanese imperial rule. Kwok <laughs> Do Wan plays a policeman who lives in the small rural village of Gokshun, used to dealing with the occasional petty crime and malfeasance. The rural village explodes with violence, as an outbreak of something, an illness, mushroom poisoning, leads villagers to go insane and start brutally murdering their families. <laughs> Starts to wonder if the outbreak has to do with the sudden appearance of a Japanese stranger in the woods. The stakes are raised to a new high when Hyojin, his daughter, starts showing signs of the illness. It begins with a rash, which turns into an intense derangement, eventually leading the infected to murder everyone in their home. The family turns to different solutions, from a slick-talking shaman who wants $10,000 to do a death hex, to Catholicism and even violence of their own. To get this malevolent stranger to move on. But is it the stranger? Is that a coincidence? Could it just be the poisonous mushrooms? Is it the ghost? The devil himself? Could the ghost actually be the strange young woman who keeps appearing in the village? The wailing leaves you trying to figure it out until the last moment. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. 
Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan is currently on tour for the next three weeks on the West Coast. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends is doing the adult prom tour with Lung. If you're in any of these cities, you can get tickets. To see the dates and venues, go to NeutronFriends.com. KT Baldassaro is an actress, director, and writer who wrote and co-directed and also starred in Girl in the Basement, along with appearing in quite a few horror movies. She's also voice acting in the scripted podcast series, The Starwell Foundation, an audio drama set in the city of superheroes, wherever podcasts are listened to. Jay Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Jada Adams is a healer, writer, intimacy coach, and an end-of-life doula. Their blog is available at ninjacooter.wordpress.com. I, of course, am a smooth-talking, fast-driving Korean shaman and amateur photojournalist, Forrest Miller. That Death Hex song, honestly a banger. Not going to lie, I was going to bring my drums down here and uh, start playing it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the Death Hex song, when when it really gets into that, like, industrial, almost like, like, it's almost like uh, I could see, like, a dubstep remix going into that. You know what I mean? I I totally rhyme, like, bass going on. It's like, he's like, you know what I mean? Like, I I could see, like, uh, I could see going to a rave, not knowing that it's a Death Hex song and being like, yo, this slaps. And you get home and everybody's dead. Like, ah, fuck. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of how it happens in the gate, right? They find that record. You got to be careful with with death music, or like um, uh, or like the ring, you know. Mm-hmm. But, the, yeah. but it's like the music version of it. It's like you find a CD with like a death hex on it, and you listen to it, and then seven days later, you just you know just die. <laughs> I did check YouTube. I thought that that was a banger of a song, and surely someone has has remixed it into a dubstep, but not yet. But maybe yeah, someone listening not. right now can catch that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in the meantime, check out uh um uh, oh what is that band? Uh Incubus who actually uh does a little djembe with some of their industrial music. Um at least some of their early stuff. Uh don't what does that have to do with what does this have to do with the the wailing and the uh, nothing, <laughs> but but if if you if you like that sound, check 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 that out because because I think uh I think they kind of capture. You also that. stand. You could also stand like below, like an air conditioner that's going really fast, <laughs> like an industrial plant. And you might get, you might get some similar sounds out of it. Hey, how do you think industrial music got started, dude? Yeah, that's why it's industrial. Yeah. yeah. Um, but before we get into the movie, I did want to ask uh, Jada. You have a really interesting perspective for this film. Uh, you're a uh, end of life doula, and I'm not entirely mm. sure. I kind of know what that means, but could you just Can I give me a little bit more on what that means? Sure. So as an end-of-life doula, I would work with the person who is preparing to die or Mm -hmm. advise someone who wants to speak about how they would like to pass. Um, And I advocate for them. I I speak with their family. I try to to help maintain um, calm and composure in the house during a really rough time. Um, while there's a lot of pre-grieving going on, you probably mm-hmm. get some pre-grieving going on with the person who's getting ready to transition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we usually advise on the kind of paperwork that needs to be done. There's a whole lot more um, mm-hmm. than people realize 
uh, when somebody passes, you have to deal with a lot of government institutions. I have to have a lot of paperwork. Mm-hmm. So we advise on that. Uh, we also advise the family about possibly creating video memorials or any sort of uh, testimonial, like a, a memory book that the family can go through after the person has passed to give them, you know, some sense mm-hmm. of closeness with the person who has passed, uh, as well as asking the person who is dying, how would you like it? What would you like your last moments on earth to be like? Do you want there to be music? Do you want to be in a room full of flowers? Do you want there to be a, a violin concerto? And we do our best to try to make that happen. Um, there's also, I believe in Florida, there's a group of people that are uh, doing um, a what they call a threshold chorus. And they'll go uh, to the hospital at the person's bedside and sing them as they cross over. And I, I just thought that was really beautiful. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, being there at the concept of this like crossover moment, which we kind of deals with exorcisms, which is kind of what we feel is a lot in this movie, this yeah. uh, this kind of like thinning mm-hmm. uh, of our reality between us and something in another life uh, yeah. and yeah. actually experiencing. God, I watch a lot of movies where that's what's going on, but I don't think I've ever really fully experienced it. So that's a it's really interesting perspective for this uh, run through the movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> I Thanks was, for I asking. Was, I was watching yeah, a thing on uh Korean shamanism and actually like singing and dancing is like a, a majority of like what they what Korean shamans actually do, right? Like because they are the conduit also between the spiritual and the like terrestrial realms, which is in direct conflict with Korea's like modern history, both of like Buddhism but also of Christianity, which is what this movie kind of uh, you know, this movie is constantly in conflict between uh, the priestly, the, you know, con- like connotation of like the devil and like the demonic and uh, like the light, as well as, you know, this more um, yeah, like, like the shamanistic, like spirit possession kind of um, uh, like religion, right? Which are, which are actually like 200 different religions or something that have been like folk religions that are just kind of meshed together into one. But a lot of what shamans actually do is the singing and dancing and um part of that is also like the it's they have a similar end of life tradition um where yeah. they, they sing people into the afterlife kind yeah. of yeah there are a lot of different shamanic traditions that uh go into different ecstatic states through dancing or pain or drumming and it, it really depends on what the shaman or medium or what have you connects with best you know different tools work for different workers mm-hmm. It's interesting how this film both kind of shows you these religions and it's never a reliable narrator. Sometimes it's like, this must be the correct path. And then it's like, nope, that shit, they're just trying to take your money. But it's, it's, yeah, because I mean, when we're talking about death, the things that we're willing to give money seems like nothing. You know, you can really uh, pray on someone in in more than just uh, financially on their soul and everything. Yeah, I, when I was watching that video, they were talking about how like the two kinds of uh, shaman are. Um, there's like the hereditary shaman that have like inherited it through a family dynasty, like mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's like a long tradition. But there's also like the spirit possessed shaman, which literally, uh, like the belief is that a spirit has possessed them into this path of being like a spiritualist. Yeah, there's so, a ritual yep. to do that too. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a, a transpossessive spiritual medium. And so I have been talking with dead people since I was five and I've had, I've had spirits come in and clean people through me. Uh, I have actually done exorcisms. I've cleaned houses before. So it's, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> you wear a lot of hats uh, in this particular gig. <laughs> so as someone who uh, fences and anytime there's fencing in a movie, I'm like, wow, this is a horrible representation. This is not at all <laughs> what it is like. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess that exorcism would vary from what type of exorcism you're performing. How do you feel? Is there any movie where you're like, they kind of got it? Oh man, there are there are definitely definitely movies where they they didn't get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I would say, man, um, if you've if you've ever seen the, I believe it's a, a Thai horror movie called The Medium. Yeah. That's that is the closest that I've seen to kind of a representation of um, that that sort of village shaman mm -hmm. and what happens if you break the tradition uh, within the family line of what the spirit wants. Uh, in Thailand, ooh, spirits are, are vicious. Um, and the, the stronger the spirit um, is usually the, the mo more horrible the death. Uh, the most, the, the strongest ghost in the Thai tradition is the Pitai Tonglom, which is a mother who had been pregnant and uh, both her and the baby were slaughtered. And usually it's like the, they, I think drowning is uh, the worst. And so you have Thai ajarns that go and collect the human remains and pray to the spirits and imbue various talismans with that. So the ghosts can work with people who need them. Um, that's fascinating. It's there's a whole lot. It, it, it's a big deep dive. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think about kind of trauma as represented by these folk religions? Because um, I mean, I, you know, it's no like I, I think everybody knows that uh, the, the history of Korea is traumatic to say the least, right? Like through uh, like Japan. even into yeah, the man. like 20th century, um, both you know with the Korean War and you know what we did on the Korean Peninsula, but also Japanese imperialism, which is what like a lot of you know the, the filmmaking that they're really uh, doing like lately, right? Like at least a lot of the ones that we've watched are about um, Japanese imperialism, and as represented by that like demonic spirit, um, I think it's interesting uh, that like you know so something that, that that's as um, traumatic i guess is represented can be represented by these kind of folk religion uh imagery oh yeah oh yeah i, I definitely latched on to the concept of how this was like uh, they kept experiencing like a nightmare well he kept thinking he was having a nightmare our main character our police mm -hmm. officer but it wound up that they were actually true events um and how nightmares are kind of our way of taking what we've experienced during the day and, and coming to terms with coping with. Uh, and I, I did, did I did a little dive into the history of nightmares because I thought to myself, like, what was the first recorded nightmare? Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently it was in Egypt in 2100 BC. Uh, a guy wrote a letter to his uncle. He had inherited his slave from him and had been abusing his slave very badly. And at night he kept dreaming that the slave was sitting in front of him, just staring at him. And he wrote a letter to his uncle asking for help and how to deal with that. And like, that's that's your conscience telling you to stop being an asshole. Yeah. Or the slave really was sitting in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, like, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make I'm gonna like I can't really do anything to get out of the situation, but I can make that fucking asshole feel like I'm watching him all the time. I'll like, be that grain of sand in his eye that he'd never really get out, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's I definitely uh, so, so like he thinks he's uh he's uh, sleeping but he's really awake and, and he just sits there and stares at him mm. 
Well, it's like, you know, like lucid dreaming or something, right? Mm -hmm. Like where, where you can kind of tell everything around you, but it's in a dream state. So you, you could get a, you know, there's, there's definitely, there's gotta be like some herbal, uh, like, like tonic or something that gets somebody into like that kind of catatonic state that you can just, you know, slip to maybe mushrooms. There maybe are a variety. Mushrooms. There are a variety of um, entheogenic substances out there that'll get you there. And uh, also, Egypt did have access to lots of stuff that you wouldn't think, like including cocaine. Um, mm. And they found mummies with that that uh, had cocaine in the system. So you know, <laughs> and yet none of them made any movies like Scorsese, right? No. <laughs> that missed opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I I think that it's really interesting in this though that they like instantly disregard like a, a scientific explanation. Like the scientific explanation is just like the mushrooms. They're like, oh yeah. well, they probably ate like some mushrooms to make you trip and then killed their families, like as you do apparently. And like they just kept blaming because you know, every time there was just like the mushrooms on scene and like in their blood and stuff. And like it's kind of interesting that this movie like treats that as the absurd um explanation. Like it, well, it, our care our characters don't necessarily think so, but like that's to us as an audience at least, like that's the most absurd explanation is like the you know, like the oh, it's just mushrooms, and it's like yeah, really, that's what you're going with, <laughs> yeah. But it's almost like uh, the, the narration wants us to accuse the Japanese man. Like it wants us to be like, no, forget the mushrooms. Oh that's yeah, that's a stupid thing. You're Japanese definitely driven forcefully towards the Japanese man for a lot of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Which you know, you can see being South Korean or being that's the problem of the audience who we are expecting to watch this. You'd be like, yeah, I kind of feel that way, and then it <laughs> makes you feel bad for feeling that. But yeah. then it's also like, yeah, it was though. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, do you have some kind of uh, ethnic and um, like, uh, I guess, anti male bias where it just can't be this young woman that keeps showing up, you know, naked in front of the police station? I actually felt bad for the yeah. Japanese guy because they were like, they they really beat the fuck out of him. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was hard for me to watch. You I, know, I, it was hard for me to watch them kill the dog. Oh God! I fast, fo I fast yeah. forwarded through that yeah. scene. I can't do yeah. that. Violence yeah. to animals is my weakness. Uh, I hear that. I did create the hashtag Minecraft the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are a film viewer and you hate that, there's a website called DoesTheDogDie.com, and you can put any film into it. It will tell you if there is an animal in it, and it will tell you if it dies or not. That's and if he does die, it tells you where to fast forward. Nice. I was watching. Uh, I was watching Rear Window recently, mm -hmm. and. I, I watched it like my my mom was home and we watched like Rear Window because it was right before we did our episode on rope. And I was like, I'll watch uh, I'll watch Rear Window and like completely like like missed the point that the fucking dog dies in the middle of that movie as they're like uh it's like you know how they how they figure out that yeah fucking the guy actually is uh you know like the 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 killer. <laughs> and it's kinda it's even even that where you don't see the dog die but you like kinda hear it and then see like the fluffy body was like sad and you're mm -hmm. like i know it's a stuffed animal but please can we just fast forward <laughs> um, and and go back to what you were saying like when they were chasing the japanese man i mean we're there with the crowd to try and kill the guy and we get him and i'm worried about him in the chase i'm like yeah. i don't want them to get him yeah yeah, yeah well, i think too also that that part seems like he's uh not possessed by the demon at that moment because uh it seemed like like the the uh, the town spirit woman ha ha uh, did the exorcist on him. 
mm-hmm. um, yeah. which, which, you know, brilliantly the way it was edited, like, like throws lots of doubt into what you're seeing. And then once oh, yeah. you get to the end, you kind of have to reassess that whole scene. But, but, uh, uh, you know, because, because notice he like does not have emotion. His dog gets killed in front of him and he does not uh, show an emotion. Mm-hmm. And then like, uh, after he, he gets exercised, uh, and you know, seems to be in pain. Um, mm-hmm. you know, seems that that uh, uh, that that's that's the only time he's you're actually seeing the the actual Japanese man. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the demon takes back over because you know, I, I don't know how. Um, <laughs> uh, I I need to watch that like 15 more times to really kind of uh, work out this theory here. But oh, I yeah, think that- I, I think is I thought. He is he is the demon. He is like an, an incarnation of the demon. I don't think that there's a different like I don't think he's possessed by the demon. That he is he is the demon come to earth as like a human iteration. He's the devil, essentially. Yeah. I and, think that sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, it's like everything is the point of view of the police officer, and he's so unreliable. I mean, it's such a pathetic shit. Why would he be a reliable narrator? But I took to be like, oh, all this is actually happening. So I think that there's stuff that isn't just not accurate. Yeah. So I was so I was talking about this before we started, but I watched uh, Memories of Murder last night, the Bong Joon Ho movie, mm-hmm. and I was interested in seeing like another uh, South Korean police procedural. Um, and that's like a movie I've always intended to watch and haven't gotten around to. Um, and so the the way that like South Koreans view the police, which is understandable. I mean. Uh, all of this is rooted in trauma and like in the, you know, even as like late as the 1980s, right? Like the Korean police were an incredibly brutal force. Like, you know, there was a succession of generals that had taken over, like tried to institute one party rule and uh, the Korea. So I was looking into like how they treat, you know, how Korean cinema treats uh, police officers. And it's so much more brutal and like, um, uh, I guess like cynical than American cinema, which even if the police like are the most, um, you know, even if they're bumbling, most of them, there always has to be one cop that's bucking the system that is good. Or uh, there has to be, you know, one guy that has figured it out more than everyone else, or one guy that's standing up against the system and they have to figure it out in the end. Or, I mean, I guess the, the movie closest to something like um, Memories of Murder is like the French Connection. But even then there's kind of a redeeming, like they have some kind of idea by the end of it who, the, you know who did it even even if one of the guys gets away um so it's like th- their treatment of police is so i mean probably so much more honest than, than ours. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah we do have a lot of propaganda yeah oh my god yes <laughs> I-, I think and uh you know both this, uh, but, so both this movie and that movie is the farthest possible thing from propaganda i mean even when nice. you have like local yeah. police officers who like you know do want to solve things they don't have any idea how to do it they're not, mm-hmm. this is like, oh, well, you know, usually like it's like a guy urinating or like public masturbation or something that like, you know, we get people for like, like nuisance crimes, I guess. And uh, in both these movies, like when actual murders happen, you know, uh, rape, like uh, any anything that's like big in one of these small villages that are like really remote and isolated from, you know, city centers, um, it becomes like this, like, uh, you know, quest to try to figure out the first thing about uh, trying to figure any of this out and nobody can and it's like I, I think in American cinema you'd have um, somebody like one of the cops at least like in the end stumble onto it and be like oh this is what it was and in both those movies nobody ever does like <laughs> there's no like aha moment it's just kind of uh, feeling around in the dark yeah and you get that too with uh, uh, you know a lot of other ones like um, uh, Man from Nowhere 
Uh, in fact, in fact, the bumbling cop from this one's a bumbling cop and, and man from nowhere. And uh, uh, but I mean, that that one's just a wild like uh, an ex spy gets hooked, uh, gets like roped into a, uh, uh, you know, the mafia and um, uh, carnage ensues. And the cops are just like going, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I also wonder if maybe um, a non-American audience can handle an ending that doesn't have such a resolute answer. Like yeah. If we have detectives involved, there's a crime, there's a killer, there's a resolution. We like that. So maybe that's also why we also, don't see this kind of cop so much. It was the intent of the movie. Because, I mean, like if you see I Saw the Devil, which which is another Korean film, mm -hmm. there's a nice resolution at the end. Um, yeah. And I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, uh, check that one out because that would actually go nicely between um, what you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sweeney Todd and uh, Frenzy. But uh, <laughs> well, we're doing this one instead. Um, Live people. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would wonder if like uh, the last decade of like true crime stuff maybe gets people more in the mood for mm -hmm. like a a story that doesn't necessarily have a resolution like um you know because sometimes it's like unsolved unsolved mysteries or something and like a lot of people are into true crime like perhaps maybe like it'll culturally change the you know the way people are okay or not okay with like open-ended endings because american audiences definitely aren't when it comes to cinema it's just like you know we want something we want at least some kind of conclusion or like resolution and if we don't have that people are like well this movie sucked like yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's it's that tension, tension, tension and no release. And then they feel like let down somehow. Yeah. Well, we talked about uh, Mulholland Drive a few weeks ago and like the initial critic response to a movie that's that ambiguous and that open ended and that you can like that you actually have to like uh, put your own thought into like, you know, coming up with what happened and like the chronology of it and how um, American critics were just like, well, this movie is clearly badly written. And it's like... <laughs> Dude, when they brought Anna Karenina to the United States, they had to change the ending, make her live. She keeps the baby and she gets to live with Vronsky. Like, what? we're not good at unhappy endings. Man. <laughs> I just rewatched uh, Reefer Madness, the musical, and it uh, <laughs> reminds me of a line from it. We're like, uh, we're just like Romeo and Juliet. Have you read the ending? No, but I bet they make lots of friends and have babies. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this, yeah. this, this movie does, I mean, this movie does have an ending. It's just, you know, I mean, how about the, the cut ending? Is, yeah. There was a deleted ending. Yeah. I, I agree with this comment below. It would always scare me more because it was something that like really happened. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, the thing in uh, Memories of Murder like they did solve it, I guess, in 2019, and it was a guy that was already in prison for murder. And they're like, "Oh, well, we can, you know, he has a body count that's been racked up because uh, I guess he murdered his like sister-in-law or something." And then he was like, "All right, I murdered all the, all those other people too." Like, <laughs> you got me in for a penny and for a pound. Why not? Well, he waited until the the statute of limitations was up on the last one, but he's already uh. in prison for 21 years. So it's like, I mean, well, or he's a, a, a He's, he's available for parole in 21 years. He's in prison oh, for life. So it's like, how much more could they really do to you, bro? Like, true, true. <laughs> and talk about uh, an F you to the system. <laughs> he said he watched Memories of Murder and was like, I didn't see myself in it, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know. Fuck me wrong, so I had to do it again. <laughs> All right, it was me, and they didn't put me in the movie, and I'm just kind of upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like this movie does have a, a conclusive ending, although the ending is you know horrific, and I, I like that. Um, I like that moment of confusion, like the the last ten minutes of confusion, where it's literally like the Spider Man, the Spider Man's pointing at each other, like the that yeah. Movie everybody's just in a circle pointing at each other like oh well because the entire thing is like um i was i was watching um there's like one video that was like talking about this as like a treatise on belief which really is what it is right like every every like these are tests throughout the movie you realize at the end that he fails all of them um because like mm-hmm. the first test is like uh you know let him do the death hex and don't interrupt it which which you, the the woman says the shaman um the shaman was doing a death hex to somebody else uh, and that's the reason why the the woman, the first old woman, went crazy, and he doesn't listen to her yeah. during that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it starts out with the biblical verse from Luke, uh, which is when Jesus comes out of the grave, and everybody sees him, and they don't believe him, and he asks them, like, "Look at me, believe me." It's a the test of faith. So it makes yeah. sense that the whole movie kept coming around that. Yeah, yeah. and he fails every single test of faith because he doesn't have. He doesn't have the well number one he doesn't have the coherent narrative like mm-hmm. that you know that's happening in front of him but he doesn't have the faith uh yeah. that anybody is telling him the truth and neither do we as an audience like we like you know as an audience we're questioning like who, you know who's the real ghost like could it be this person everybody looks super suspicious throughout the entire thing yeah. and yeah. also they just turn in a second because it's like a it's like the 28 days later fucking rage virus like <laughs> <laughs> but but uh one thing though uh that we does get a little lost is a little bit of the korean culture that uh uh, which uh, I will fully admit, I am not. I've not really studied that much of. I've studied uh, Japanese and Chinese uh, uh, art history, uh, not mm-hmm. Korean. Um, but I've watched a lot of Korean movies, so I think I could fill in. I, I have, a, uh, you know, I, I did a quick uh, cram sesh before, uh, you know, we, we streamed uh, to kind of catch up on some stuff. And, and one of the interesting things I found out was that uh, a lot of shamans in Korea, and this is a, a general statement right here, are women. Like, like it is majority women uh, that are sh- uh, shamans. So it's very interesting that that it's a man cast in this movie. And then, of course, you find out at the end, you know, he, he was working with the demon all along. Yep. So so like as an American audience, we completely missed that clue right there. Um, yeah. Also kind of recontextualizes that, you know, a bit of uh, the whole like he seems to be in it for the money, the untrustworthiness of it. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, it's just yeah. another point I've- against him. <laughs> I do think we get as a as a foreign audience we get one thing that they don't get which is the added eeriness of all of the things that are normal to them but weird to us. I find that whenever I watch an Asian horror film I'm way more uneased because I don't even like know where the appliances are, how things are supposed to work and I'm Why just, is he squatting like that in front of the store? Uh, <laughs> yes, just things that throw you off. So I I, I think that that's a an upside that because we do lose what you're saying, but we do gain a little bit extra anxiety. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, that, you know, that's actually kind of interesting right there. The, uh, the other thing too, um, you know, uh, this, this is the same in most cultures, but uh, crow, you know, uh, the crow represents death. Uh, usually like uh, death's about to happen. Mm. Uh, I think every society except for the Romans uh, believe that Romans thought it was a sign of victory until like they started losing a lot. And then they thought it was a sign of death. Um well, I mean, crows were Odin's, you know, Hugin and Mune, and yep. you know, so they they were his messengers. Mm-hmm. 
but it's but, also uh, every every time they look into something, right? It's a dead crow. Like there's mm, so many dead crows yep, in this movie. Yeah. Which like you know, at like and I do know about the symbolism of like crows and death. But then you see like a dead crow in like their water or something like that that the spirits place there, and it's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Like, <laughs> does that mean you're gonna live? Like, <laughs> and immediately I thought, oh, that's why everybody's getting pox. It's from drinking dead crow water. <laughs> oh, but no, nobody really points that, that out. <laughs> it would be really funny if that's what it was, and then like the the virus starts spreading, and it's like, yeah, don't drink water with dead birds in it, dude. Like. Well, it was soy sauce, but but you know it's still. Yeah. Well, it's from uh, it's from all the windmills, it's, like Trump, the like Trump says. Trump will take, Trump will take birds, just keep sauce. hitting the windmills, and you know windmills kill all those. So the dead, the dead birds are getting oh, yeah. You haven't lived until you had crow in your soy sauce. I'm eating crow today, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's that's where that expression comes from. But, um, yeah, I mean that that like there is something super eerie about crows in general. And like after the dog gets killed, which you know, traumatizing. I hated yeah. that. But after the dog gets killed, he's surrounded by crows, and he's just sitting there. And it's such an eerie scene. Uh, the crows are like landing all over him, and he's just sitting there, like in silence, like staring into space with the crows landing all around him. And it's like, Jesus Christ! Like if this guy isn't the demon, like you should still not have him in your town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, this film did remind me of. Uh... Films like Antichrist, where there's so much symbolism in every shot, in like what's being said, it was, it was and the snapdragons at each location. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I kind of need to watch it more than once to get all of it, and it's two yeah. and a half hours long, so that's like really a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This this yeah. movie's definitely an investment on your time. Um, yeah, but it's worth it. I, I mean, it does not feel like two and a half hours whenever you're watching it. No, um, it doesn't. Oh my god! You know, which is which is the incredible thing because it just sucks you right in. Uh, even though I, I kept pausing it to go do research because I'm just like, wait, what's the meaning of goats? Uh, <laughs> what does it mean when somebody hangs a goat outside your house? Um, one, one, it's not good. <laughs> general rule of thumb: not good. Yeah, well, it's yeah. their it's their goat, right? Like it was a it was a um like a kill for yeah. kill. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you killed my dog. Well, I'm gonna put a death hex on your goat, bro. Because <laughs> I, I think you see, you see the the wife with the goat earlier in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm like reading into that. <laughs> uh, I think you could be right. I, I don't yeah. remember per se, but that sounds that, that feels right to me. Yeah, that, that's, why, bones, well, that's why. they're so with you. that's why they're so freaked out about it. Like, because I don't think they would be like screaming if it was just some random goat. Well, I don't know. Still, just a random goat. Um, when I was in college, somebody took decapitated pig heads and placed them in front of the uh, cafeteria. Which me being and then, the, uh, and the then David Cameron. And then did you go to college <laughs> with David Cameron when he stuck his dick in the? No, uh, no, I didn't. Oh. Okay. Um, but, but me being the morning person that I am, I just walked right past it. And like, everybody's talking about it. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I was like, you didn't see the pig heads out there? I'm like, no. Performance I'm art? My, I'm here to get myself tea so I can go to my 8 o'clock class. Basically like the opening sequence of Shaun of the Dead. You're just walking past zombies to get your drink. <laughs> exactly. But but um, yeah, usually whenever there's like a dead animal placed in front of some place, usually that's a bad sign and people freak out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh -huh. this this movie definitely approaches some of that, like, what would you do if something horrific or paranormal started to happen in your world, and how far would it have to go before you believed it? Yeah. I mean, we're in, like, 
21st century America. So I think if something happened that was horrific and uh, supernatural, there would be the most polarized possible reaction to it. Like, oh my God, the South. A lot of people don't like admitting that there's a spiritual issue. And in my experience, when I've talked to people who think that they have a child that is going through some stuff that might be, you know, a spirit interacting, uh, I'll usually. We had one kid that I was just like, um, one kid I looked in his eyes and I was just like, oh yeah, he's gone. You know, I don't know what's, I don't know what's there, but it's not, it's not a little kid. And uh, I never heard from them again. So I hope they're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think in this though, I like the, in this movie, uh, the, there's like so many different belief systems, right? And uh, South Korea, I guess, like as they've modernized, I guess it's gotten a little bit calmer with this, but as they've modernized, they've kind of rejected the whole um, notion of like folk religion and shamanism to try to like, you know, bring themselves into like the modern world or whatever. For a while, so, yeah. It's this, coming back a bit, but not, yeah. uh, you know, not, so, not so this movie. This blocks. movie is, there's so many clashes between folk religion, different kinds of folk religion, right? Like shamanism, but also like the guy that has like the herbal supplements uh, that he's like kind of makes potions for everyone. That's their like version yeah. of a pharmacy. <laughs> That's how you survive the lightning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, but then also like Christianity and Buddhism and like, uh, you know, uh, accepted, I guess, religion in the sense of like, you know, universally accepted religion and uh the ways that those things can intersect right like because because the demon could be the spirit possessed because they believe spirits possess the shaman so the, the shaman could easily be just possessed by that uh demonic force that's like an evil an evil spirit rather than like a good spirit when mm -hmm. he did his like uh you know initiation ritual which you're like spirit enter me and then the spirit enters you i guess yeah. uh, or he could just be enthralled to it you yeah. know, like or or it could be the devil and he'd be working like voluntarily working for the devil. Like there's just so many mm -hmm. possibilities of uh intersection between Christianity, um, folk like folk shamanism and all of these other you know religious belief systems that are all kind of uh contesting for space. Yeah, um, if, well, if you, they don't really yeah. contest for space though in Korea because remember we're going back to our, our episode well, I mean on uh parasite. I mean, I mean in the yeah. movie. But yeah. but I'm just saying, just in general here, and, and this is this is one of the things that that also kind of gets lost a little bit. That that in, in Korea, um, that uh, I mean, it's it's a little bit of like like a, uh, they they treat religion a bit like a cafeteria. You know, they take what they want. Um, mm -hmm. But like so so like uh, Confucianism uh, was like an early influence on them. How do you say that? I, I say it right, Confucianism. Confucianism. I believe it's Confucianism. Okay. Or Confucianism. It's yeah, definitely Confucianism. It's confusing. Yes. <laughs> um, but but the, the, the bottom line is is that that was kind of like one of the first like outside influences that that uh, uh, like really and you see that a lot in the structure of the community, which does not really play a big part in the movie because usually like like there's a a uh, a deferral to people who are older and a deferral to um, uh, people's station as well in life. So so like there's a hierarchical system. Uh, you see that more in like parasites, like like that's well, all the people example. that are older yeah. and get, keep getting like they're the ones that uh, call the shaman and then the shaman like fucks them up. Yeah, um, there's <laughs> there's definitely a question of who do you believe, which religion do you believe? Do you believe the old rooted religion? Do you believe the new religion? Like, what would make more sense? And and to go back to to what you were saying, Jada, like you're there to try and tell these people of a parent. The parents of this child like th there's something that i see here yeah. but it could so easily be 
I'm here to take your money because you're in a state of oh, yeah. terror. And, so and there it must be lot, so hard to get believed. It's there there are a lot of people out there, and I and I get how this could be seen as charlatanism because it, mm-hmm. it is, you know, I, I pretty much it's have safe. lived on the fringe my entire life, and it's a fairly fringe belief. And so it's uh whenever whenever I usually work with someone, I will I will try to do as much um pro bono as i can and if it continues being an issue then i have to charge but i the only thing i I will usually charge for is am i using anything to to clean the space uh is there anything i need to bring with me are there any tools that are going to be that are going to be used that i will need to have replaced you know um but Boy, I've seen some ridiculous pricing for house cleaning, mm-hmm. uh, for you know, supposed spirit exorcism, and really, you're you're you you're hurting people, you're damaging people, and it's not okay. It's not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're entering this to make money, then you're not a good person. You know, you're just mm-hmm. you're just not a good person. Um, anybody who gets into this sort of work, you really have to do, it's, it's taxing on your body. It can be taxing on your mental health because some of the stuff that you see and the stuff that you encounter. Um, and it's, I don't, I don't understand why anybody would lie to someone to take advantage of someone economically after a parent has died or their child has been murdered. That, that, that's just horrific to me. It doesn't compute. You know, and unless they are literally the devil, like in this story, like that's part of the reason why I didn't yeah. trust the shaman from point one. Yeah, I felt like everybody was so full of shit, <laughs> with the exception <laughs> of the ghost woman, who didn't quite kind of even want anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ghost woman was trying to. I mean, she's like the kind of like the avenging angel, right? That's fighting. Well, well she's the, the city. You know, she's the town spirit. Like, like there, yeah. there are, um, you know, those totems. Uh, if you go to Korea, you'll see totems much like the one that got chopped down and uh, during that ritual that the shaman mm-hmm. was doing. Um, that that represent these uh, uh, spirits that are supposed to protect and watch over, uh, you know, various villages. Uh, plus, there's like household deities in uh, Korean folklore as well. Uh, yeah. So, like, they they have, they have a deity of the bathroom. Um, yeah, I thought it's, the, it's the it's the toilet god. I was watching the the video where he was like, "Oh yeah, there's a there's the you know there's like the, the sink god and the toilet god." Yeah, think, General MacArthur's a, a deity in uh, in Korean folklore too. I think Catholics have a lot of saints too. So yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's in a similar way, right? Like the the Catholic Church went around um, to people that were pagan or like you know uh, like celtic like all these different um kind of folk religions and they just kind of took the symbolism and religious uh like iconic iconography or whatever like that they had around them and just were like oh yeah well we can make those people saints now but who's and, the saint of the toilet you know, <laughs> i you know i think having a toilet god useful because like i think everyone's had a moment of prayer that they're like please Make this stop. <laughs> in, in the ATRs, you have um, the toilet is con- considered. You can feed your egun, your ancestors there, because it is a hole going into the ground. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if my ancestors would appreciate mm. that. <laughs> I didn't know my ancestors were into that uh, human centipede stuff. <laughs> um, no, but no, I, I think it's, it's interesting that like the the ghost woman um, tells him in that one scene that I put in the intro. Uh, she tells him the the old woman went crazy in the beginning because um, she had a, a death 
like there was like a ritual the shot she called that shot i mean you have to assume that shaman right like probably wasn't a different shaman and then he was doing the ritual and she stopped him yeah and because she stopped him that's why she got infected like the infection continued and everybody died and he doesn't seem to hear like he seems to only hear oh this woman might be a witness because he's a cop and he's not a very good cop and he's like oh witness Mm -hmm. so you know he doesn't hear the fact that calling the shaman and the shaman does do like the the actual death hex right like if you waited until the end it probably would exercise the the actual spirit but like knowing full well that people aren't going to let their family members be tortured like that it's like how committed are you to exercising the spirit and if you're not committed enough that's kind of why you why you die and that's why it's kind of a good treatise on belief um throughout this there's all these different tests on belief that uh all these characters have to go through and they always fail them but like you don't realize that all these things are a test until you realize at the end that it is the devil or you know the demonic force um you know that that is testing the priests in the end and then you know they really like they do it very heavy-handedly where they're like oh why are you feeling so much doubt dude you're a priest like you can't mm-hmm. stop me or something and that's when like you're like oh shit like this entire movie is like a series of different tests by a demonic force that's trying to uh you know destroy this village and wants to see if anybody is willing to like stand up which which you know it gets back to all kinds of mythology where it's always somebody um you know there's always like a, a giant or like a you know something that is in front of them that they have to like conquer and they have to feel you know the the belief in their heart like the confidence like that's one of the oldest uh i think types of myths that we have yeah yeah, no, I'm sorry, I'm just, everybody's like being polite and waiting for the next person to talk. Um, absolutely. I think that you'll see a lot, especially again in the Bible, you'll see a lot of stories where like you have to believe in the face of some really horrible, horrible stuff that's going to work out. Um, or that there's some meaning yeah. to it. There's there's mm-hmm. some underlying reason that it's happening. There's something good that's going to come out of it. Uh, and, and sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's a genocide. Sometimes it's just awful through and through. Well, I mean, um, there's sometimes, sometimes like in the Bible, at least like the old Testament, like sometimes God's just fucking with people. Like there's a thing where Abraham was going to kill his son and God stops at the last minute. It was like, Oh, I was just joking, man. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. That's, like, that's way more Greek God kind of situation. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. I wonder what happens. Yeah. I the pretend other day to be I watched- a swan. The other day I watched uh, God of the, a portion of the movie God on Trial, and it was a, a really great soliloquy, uh, you know, by a, a bunch of people um, in uh, one of the concentration camps. And they were literally putting God on trial and saying, is he is he a good God or a bad God? And a rabbi that broke his uh, vow of silence ended up going on this kind of monologue about how horrible god was <laughs> and it just it yeah it was fascinating that is an interesting place to look for god yeah there's no god in these courts um <laughs> so there i found like this behind the scenes thing and then i had to i had to uh take it and record the actual video from my computer because i wanted to keep the subtitles in there but this is um this is about like the 180 day filming period for this. Yeah, 
이런 것들을 영화를 해보고 싶다. 그게 발단이고요. 그게 시작이에요. 전작들에 대한 그 긴장감과 지금의 긴장감은 다르다. 계속 느리게 전진해 나가면서 스릴을 강화를 시키는 그런 스타일의 영화를 보고 싶었어요. 역시 나홍진이구나라는 생각이 들 정도로 정말 오랜만에 이런 신화를 보게 되는 거죠. 이만한데 다른 놈이라고 봐야 이미 장르도시는 나갔대요. 이 나름 어려워하니까 나도. 그 시나리오를 안할 이유는 없었던 것 같아요. 6개월 동안 나를 살려내려고 <웃음> 미친 듯이 촬영하고 고생했던 기억이 산을 뛰어가지고 겨울을 건너가지고 절벽에서 추위와도 싸우고 고군분투하는 그런 황야를 찍으면서 가장 인상적인 배우였어요. 곽동이 총이라는 0점 어마어마하게 잘 잡힌 총이에요. 조중하면 무조건 맞습니다. 컷! 욕심 반, 걱정 반. 내가 이걸 해낼 수 있을까? 할수 있을까? 실제 그 촬영날 내가 어떻게, 어떤 식으로 움직일지 나도 몰랐던 거고 소리하고 나하고 막 완전 모아지게 빠져가지고 막뛰어는데내 스스로 내가 하면서도 내가 놀래는 그 순간들이 있어요. 그 15분 동안 선배님의 그 연기를 여섯 대의 카메라로 찍은 거죠. 굿에 대한 그 느낌은 연기 이상이었다라고 저는, 저는 그렇게 생각해요. 배우가 연기해서 가능했겠는가? 다들 그랬죠. 아로 사그힘이니까 대성 캐릭터를 다치하게를그 스탄스, 그 앞으로치는 도호론なんですけど 脚本から受けた自分のそのキャラクターのイメージみたいなものを自分のこうそのイメージをどこまで舞台化できるかっていう腕演技하는다른그영화연기에뭐그정수를보여주시는 그 카메라에 타겟팅된 어느 곳에 계시고 어떤 역할을 하는지 정확하게 아시면서 정말 베테랑 같은 분들이니다 제가 어떠한 존재로 영화 속에 있어야 되나? 뭐 이런 생각을 좀 했던 것 같아요. 제가 의상이 워낙 얇아서 안에 아대를 할 수가 없었어요. 산 기슭에서 몸싸움을 했는데 끝나고 나서 보니까 다리 전체가 다 완전히 상처 투성이더라고요. 초우 씨는 뵙는데 어쩌는 대사들 압도적으로 저에게 느껴졌고 다른 배우를 생각할 여지가 가장 파워풀한 여배우가 아닐까 짐작해요 Yeah, she was fierce in this yeah. She was fantastic Holy yeah. cow And without even having to say that much I mean, you know, besides that like, I mean, she, she gives a very varied performance too right? Like Towards the end when she actually knows what's going on And she's warning him like you Just believe, like don't, don't doubt Which is, yeah. I mean, it comes back to that over and over again. Like, don't doubt this, like, uh, you know, this moment. Just listen to me. This is like another test. And he has to wait just for the three roosters. Bro, you just had to wait for the three roosters. Right? Man, Come on, man. It would be fine if you waited. But Story like, of my life, man. <laughs> um, Andy, uh, the, did, you, did you do any research into, like, the five colors? Oh, uh, uh, the five colors is the five directions. Uh, yeah. North, south, east, west, and where you're, you know, the middle. Uh, is uh, the, the uh, what the five colors represent, and it's it's very heavy in uh, Korean art, um, which well, he has, I... so he has the five colors on his arm when mm -hmm. he's doing the the dance, and I didn't realize that that's why his um like robe was so colorful until I watched that video today when he's mm. doing the thing the you know the pretty like it's pretty much ribbon dancing when he's doing yeah. that um... no it's it's a it's a uh, a drag queen story hour, <laughs> um, <laughs> I. <laughs> That just reminded me of uh, when I saw Bobcat Goldthwait the other day um, mm. do stand up at this church. Uh, there was mm. like a, a trans comedian that opened up for him, 
and uh her like joke was like um i could never be a, like when i was figuring out what i was i could never be a drag queen because i would never read any uh any books to any kids <laughs> <laughs> not that nice <laughs> <laughs> she's like i just wouldn't do that with my time um but like uh yeah so there's like there's the five colors and I, I didn't know that there was that much symbolism to that. And I think mm-hmm. like, that's one of those things that like an American audience wouldn't have it. They just be like, dude, this guy's really colorful. And he comes yeah. in there with this. Uh, the, the other thing too, actually... the, those, uh, those swords that he was uh, wh- uh, whipping around, um, those are usually bronze, which is uh, interesting that they're not bronze in this. So, so uh, that should I have don't... been their first, that should have been their first hint that something was up with this guy. Yeah. We, we... Put that in the goofs and trivia. No, I, I mean, like, like, I don't know if there's a deeper meaning behind that. I, I didn't. If it out, was meant, but... if it was intended that way to kind of show that he was a charlatan, maybe. Yeah. And it's yeah, maybe okay. like one of those little clues, like him being yeah. a male and, you know, just, just like, well, he, is, he isn't, he isn't a charlatan. That's kind of the, the thing that I find fascinating. Yeah. Like he is a shaman. He's just working for the, the, his motivation yeah he's yeah. like working for the devil yeah and, and it could be it, it could be just that was the choice of the director or the director symbolized okay we yeah. need different tools because he's working for evil you know it could be yeah I, I that'd just, be cool I to know though i don't know what those uh what those choices were i just know that fact uh in my in my uh cramming for this uh and uh <laughs> i didn't get a chance to figure out uh if there was any deeper meaning behind it uh or if it just no, the uh, the bronze just looked weird on camera. Huh. Mm. That is funny that you point that out for us, because I uh, I grew up in Flushing, Queens, which is a pretty Korean neighborhood, and so we would do like festival fan dances. You're going through the going through the subway in Flushing is so crazy, or like the you know because <laughs> the subway goes over the actual. Uh, well, all right, there's that story where I was really had to pee, and then we kept hearing yes. Flushing. But <laughs> I'm like, I was, I don't think about whenever Flushing. I go to my whenever I go to my grandma's on the train, uh, I have to go through Flushing, and it instantly turns from like you know like all the signs are in like English or Spanish like all the signs are in you know uh like mandarin and korean and like mm-hmm. and it's like you're in like a completely it feels like you're in almost like a different uh world for a second and then you go right you know to the fucking uh to like the stadium that's like the next stop <laughs> yes now baseball yeah um, but yeah so i grew up doing uh dances in those costumes so i i didn't even think of it was a weird scene at all i was just like yeah i might as well be wearing like the little white thing because that's what people do I, I like that the they denote um, the town spirit by the fact that she's always wearing white, as opposed to not not like somebody wearing you know dark colors, which is how we symbolize it, mm-hmm. but the shaman wearing the you know shamanistic colors and the devil kind of uh, having like the red eyes that he yeah. keeps dreaming about, and like so the, the color plays such a huge role in this whole like, mm-hmm. like the religious uh, side to it. I think yeah, they were I, subtle about it too. Like even in her performance was very subtle. Like the white mm-hmm. is there, but it didn't feel obvious. No. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing too, just, uh, I didn't get to dig into all colors, but uh, white is a symbol for purity in uh, Korea, uh, like most places. So, you just know. like us can, for real. Yeah. Well, and in, in most Asian cultures, funerals is all white. And, yeah. you know, you've got the ghost festival and. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you rewatch the sixth sense and you're like, oh, Damn, oh, red the red doorknob. Obviously, he's a ghost. Yeah, and like oh shit, she was clearly a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I so the other thing that I think is interesting is the the Japanese, uh, like the outsiders. Like it's, I mean, I understand why, but it's also you could read it as like a, a certain xenophobia. Oh, very I mean, much in so. This case, yeah, 
justified you know xenophobia but um yeah. they actually have the the actor that played the japanese man is like a well-known japanese actor yeah he was in uh uh kill bill and like it has to be it has mm. to be crazy to so I, I found them talking about it at Cannes, and he doesn't really. I, they never really acknowledge the the awkwardness, I guess, of that uh, role. But um, you know, I, I think that it's interesting that the role is known as like the stranger too, right? Like, because it's not just like they don't harp on the Japanese part of it. Um, in that, like, just the fact that it's an outsider coming into a village where there wouldn't usually be an outsider is like the warning sign. More, I think, you know, even if you didn't know about um, Japanese like imperialism or like the the history of korean and japan and like uh you know they're like the struggles between them i guess like um mm. you'd still know that like as an outsider coming into this village like that is a a, a sign that um something's going on hi i'm han from deep focus china and i have one question for the uh konimura Jun. yeah yes hi hi how was it like to work with uh, i think you are the title is in French, it's like The Strangers, and you are the stranger in the film, and you are also maybe the only Japanese. I mean, yes, there, are, there could be many some others, but the, the only main Japanese actor to be in the project. How, it, how is it working with the Korean crews yeah, and director? え、初めて韓国映画というものに、え、出演できたのが、な本人監督の現場であるってことは本当に幸せだなと今もそれは入った時も思ってました。っていうのは今まで割とあの、自分のキャリアの中でいろんな外国の監督といろんなプロダクション
that set uh, was the set of incredible talent that is Nahonjin is a great blessing. You also brought up the matter of the stranger. Um, and it's true, I am the only Japanese on a, on a set um, uh, that was uh, very much Korean. Um, but the character itself is not, in fact, um, defined as Japanese. He's just something different, a strange entity, an undefined, maybe not even a living thing that had suddenly um, happens upon or comes. Uh, to this village, and I felt that was uh, Goksun. This film's one of the th uh, the film's themes, and uh, that's what I had in mind when I was performing. Nice. That is interesting. What? Yeah. How did you watch the film? Because in the, I watched it on um, uh, Amazon Prime, and in my translation, not only did they just call that person, they didn't call him the Japanese. They called him the Jap. Yeah, uh, which is, uh, okay. Yeah. It was really derogatory. Yeah. 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 Well, I I um I remember watching uh Squid like, Games like and, and they were talking audience, about in there. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's uh back when Squid Games aired, uh people were talking about how the subtitles weren't correct. So I'm wondering if it's if that was just implied by the person doing the subs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I, I know uh, a little bit of uh, like translation and um, uh, one of these days I'm going to get uh, uh, an actual like uh, uh, anime voice uh, dubber guy, um, uh, actor who who does voice uh, voiceover in uh, a lot of anime come on show. But um, uh, I do know that they they uh, uh, like an American production studio actually you know does a draft of the script. Um and uh, I know with dubbing, they even rewrite it some more. To, so it's closer matches the lips, which is ridiculous because uh, I don't care if the dialogue matches the lips. I want to get the essence of what they're saying uh, more than, you know, being comforted by, by uh, you know, the, the lips and the, uh, what's being said matches up. I like how the, the IMDb uh, plot just says a Japanese man has recently arrived at a little village. And then the Wikipedia one um, is like... Uh, after a mysterious Japanese man and his King Corso dog arrive in Gokshun, like it's in both cases, the first thing that you see is like, there's a Japanese man. So maybe it's just kind of a, maybe they downplayed it for him. Uh, or maybe and... he thought he was downplaying it. Maybe that's what they told him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I don't think it really, like you don't have to know about the history of uh, Korea and Japan to understand that like, you know, he's an outsider and this is a village that's very secluded and just, you know, I mean, the, there's a long history of like somebody, like any kind of outsider, right. And like a xenophobic kind of attitude towards um, whatever happens. Like uh, if something I mean, different happens, even if it was a Korean who was just an outsider, yeah, yeah. like city boy, you know, that'd yeah. be his name. Being out in the woods, standing in the water, in your underwear. Mm -hmm. That looked like a horrible scene to have to film. I, oh. as an actor, I immediately went, oh man. <laughs> oh, so many scratches and scrapes, ow. Now, just apparently that, that uh, traditional underwear that he's wearing is uh, Japanese and not Korean, uh, according to mm -hmm. one of the things I was watching. Which is another um, reason to feel like that character is Japanese, right? Mm -hmm. But then well, remember the shaman. The shaman say, is wearing the same. Japanese he so speaks many Japanese. Times. He speaks Japanese as yeah. well, so. Yeah. And they need Sami to to translate. The yeah. shaman's wearing the same diaper, uh, as it was called in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I missed that. Oh man. Oh. oh, that's a see again. You go back and you watch it, and you're like, wow, "How did?" Is I it like know? magic Mormon underwear? I mean, 
but yeah, no, because because remember he uh he's back there after um oh, forget exactly what happened, but the shaman was yeah. out of his clothes. He asked him and, for the money and he won't quite let yet leave. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you see him standing there for just a moment and and one of those little um, you know, hangy do diapers that they call. <laughs> um what do you what do you guys think about uh the, the one of the most striking scenes to me is when they go to the church and uh, they're asking for help and the, the priest at the church right like this like the village priest or whatever maybe like the area priest um you know he's talking to the nephew and then he's like he's like yeah the, the church can't help you now and it's like it's like no sorry <laughs> the, the one time you need because like the one time you need the church to help you with something it's like yeah you're you're this is a spiritual matter and you're on your own it's like and i'm sorry did you say the this. actual devil yeah we'll have to get back to you on that <laughs> mm, that's well, and it's the, the guy that's like you know the 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 young nephew like the, that's the priest is like i know that you're the devil and he's like yeah what are you gonna do about it and he's like stand there scared i guess like you know <laughs> that absolutely yeah. became that scene in Watchmen with rorschach where he was like you're stuck in here with me mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the other yeah, thing too, I, I, I was just going to mention uh, that that um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by Watchmen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where was I going with this? Uh, I, I was going to bring up another Korean film to kind of like uh, parallel it, and it was gone. Now it's gone. Yeah. I just have Watchmen in my head. It's just nothing yeah. but. Well, I was good. I was going to say that the the young priest, the the deacon, because he's not quite yet fully. Oh, a, yeah. a priest and then we see his boss when we go to complain at the at the church scene that was that was the point when i really felt like oh this is giving me exorcist vibes like we have a young priest yeah. we have an old priest i'm here for this yeah it's definitely inspired by exorcist and also uh, another movie that i i don't know if they were really making reference to it but i feel like there's the scene where uh, he re- he makes the 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 one guy that's like the guy that's got struck by lightning. He brings him back to life as like a, a zombie kind of uh, creature or whatever, and he attacks them. And I, I, like if it's not a reference to like Shaun of the Dead when they start hitting him with the stick and they're all in the circle hitting him with the stick over and over again, like <laughs> that that had such big Edgar Wright vibes to it. I want to give Andy the chance to say what he was going to say before yeah. I respond to what no, you're there's, going to say. There's a great movie called The Thirst, um, which is a vampire film. And uh, it's about a priest who, who gets turned into a vampire. Oh. Uh, very much worth uh, checking out. But the church is absolutely useless in this as well. So I just kind of wonder if there's a uh, toothlessness to, to uh, the Korean church. Um, yeah. That, that, uh, that, that they feel in society because... I mean, I you know that's just two representations that that have kind of done the same thing. I mean, um, even even if it's not toothless, right? Like if you're looking at the clash between, uh, you know, like, like like shamanistic folk religion and like you know Christianity, in both cases, they don't really give you the tools necessarily to actually uh, conquer like a demonic spiritual force that you know. So it's kind of interesting that like in in both cases, as like an organized religion, quote unquote, right? Like you can. Like by the end of the movie, like you you feel like both shamanistic practices with like the death hex and stuff are is like a real thing, and there are ghosts and there are spirits, and there also apparently is. I mean, if not like uh, at least there's the devil. I don't know if there's God. So like you you realize in the end, all of these kind of organized or uh, traditional religions aren't actually equipped to deal with the actual spiritual Doors warfare the that's happening in <laughs> in the world, right? Like, um, 
yeah. like if you want to take that reading so it's like both of these institutions completely fail when it comes to actually like taking on or i guess the shaman didn't just fail the shaman just uh was like oh well, had alternative motives yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you point that out because i feel like society on a whole kind of wants to believe in god but doesn't want to believe in ghosts or the de demons or the devil so it's it's you know if there's there are a lot of people that do want to believe in the devil yeah that, <laughs> well yeah, it's a whole group of people um but you know like <laughs> If there's white, there's black. So why are so many people willing to be like, yeah, there's probably a God, but are like, oh, believing in exorcisms is stupid. You know? I think it's so far beyond some people's comprehension, mm -hmm. you know, as it's, you, you have this rigid idea of what a man is and what a woman is and what life is mm -hmm. and anything that kind of throws that into disarray, it makes, you know, people reevaluate and shift their perspective. And it can be really scary, especially if proof lands in your lap, your, your brain will do what it can to try to explain it, to try to explain it in a way. I feel that that's what our main character does a lot, tries to take what he's oh, receiving yeah. and explain it through this one lens of what he wants it to be. The Japanese guy has done it. Um, and misses out on on a lot of what is auxiliary to that. And, and to go back to what Forrest was saying, it makes sense that institutions like the Catholic Church would not want to have something that kind of challenges anything. It, it makes it difficult to maintain order if we're like, yeah, so maybe ghosts exist too. Yeah. And I could see I could see why the Catholic Church would say, I don't think we want to step here because if we lose, then, you know, maybe we lose followers. Maybe it's a face thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I was going to say earlier, we were talking about uh, lightning and getting struck by lightning. I think it's the Chung ba Park Chun Bay character that gets struck by lightning. Which is kind I, of a funny scene, but it's also horrific and uh, beautifully foreshadowing everything too. Yeah, like, well, like it's a, such, such a great scene. There's a couple of scenes that border on funny, like like Forrest was saying earlier, the scene where they go to try and just beat the guy with sticks. It it is a little Shaun of the Dead, and maybe it's because they have to use that uh, stunt prop behind the guy so that you can actually hit him with with force. Um, but it does have a, a comical fashion about it. Um, which, you know, it doesn't undercut entirely the scene. It still still sort of works for me. Um, but I was, I was going to say, I met someone who was once struck by lightning. It turns out a lot of people who are struck by lightning survive, like 90% of people. Yeah. I mean, they're messed up, but most people people do. It was, uh, it was a manager that I worked for at a store. He was on the phone talking to a girlfriend, and he says if she had not been so incredibly loud and brass... He would have been holding the phone close to his face. Oh. They've been holding it out like this because she's so loud. He's always just like, ah. and lightning struck through the, the telephone and oh. shot him across the room. Wow. He lived. And, and he was probably the kookiest human being I'd ever met in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, brushes like that with death will change you. Uh, yeah. Have you ever met anyone who almost died? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Jada, you I, have. I have. I have uh, definitely. I've, I've talked to, to you know spirits. I've I've met people who have near have had near death experiences, mm -hmm. um, and it's they can be remarkably transformative, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. 
Um, I mean, if you think of people with traumatic brain injuries that, you know, maybe they die on the table and they come back and then there's an entirely different person in there, which is also a, a fascinating thing. You know, biology has, has so much of a changing factor in who we think we are. You know, oh, yeah, and that could almost make a person feel like, well, they've been possessed with a different person's soul. It's interesting where science and uh, and myth kind of overlap a little bit. Yeah, it makes me wish that science and uh, animistic beliefs would come together more to try to find an actual reason for what's happening instead of it being no, it can't be metaphysical, and no, it can't be medical, and yeah. you know, never the twain shall meet. It it feels like a missed opportunity for humanity, and I, I hope we're on the edge of kind of fixing that. Oh, absolutely, especially because uh, the very famous quote that uh, you know, magic is just not yet discovered science and a lot yeah. of times when we discover things like if you think about how wi-fi works you're like that's kind of like magic right oh yeah i can send i can send a missive to a friend across the room and they can read it on a device and that's just we couldn't have done that you know back when i was a kid back when there was the atari 2600 and pong that was it mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and you see this a lot in herbalism as well, where like, well, this was the herb that they used to treat this. And it turns out it actually does scientifically at a level treat what it was being used for. Oh, yeah. Um, but science always acts like, and they just got lucky. They're like, mm, As opposed what? to years and years of, uh, and generations of, you know, information passed down. I believe that the foxglove is still used to make digitalis. You know, you still mm -hmm. have herbs that are being used to <laughs> to create um, medical remedies, uh, so it's, in my opinion, yeah, you know, I mean, it's science science is good for some things. Herbalism is good for some things, and if if we could all figure out what worked best and kind of go with that, that would be fantastic. But I, we get locked into these narratives that everything in science can only be science, and mm -hmm. that's that seems like a kind of a short sighted thing. Absolutely. And that's what happens to the protagonist of this movie. He gets just kind of shunted in this one one belief structure. It can't really go anywhere from there. And, yeah. and you know, yeah. I guess that's the moral. That's why he gets screwed in the end. And that's why it's it's OK. Question mark. I mean, did you think he was did, did either of you think he was going to get saved at the end? Ooh. I that the ending un, it was was unexpected for me. It was uh, it was very shocking, um, and and very holy. You know, mm. I, it was a, a lot a lot going on in my head at the same time because I, I felt that they very effectively uh, portrayed the horror of him finding the scene he did at the end, uh, and where his mind just snaps and he goes away. You know, and then the you know shaman comes in and takes his little pictures <laughs> of the lives that he's destroyed. Oh like, yeah. Pictures throughout it. Right. Like, and then yeah. it, like, I think a lot of like serial killers and stuff, like that's how they find them. Like there's a lot of weird people that like Tokens pictures of their or trophies. Or, yeah. yeah. Or the idea that a picture captures your soul and they're taking you right at that moment. Yeah. Devouring yeah. your soul. Yeah. It'd be interesting to, I'm like, I see, and now my head's going, does he take the picture to the demon and the demon then feed on the soul that's in the picture? So mm. that's, that's an interesting idea. 
I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or or are, is the soul like kind of contained within the picture kind of and having this like display thing of pictures is like just kind of, you know, keeping the souls in his. The like, little wall of hell yeah. that he can kind of like poke people. It's just. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. Um, Forrest, I was asking if you thought that the main character was going to get any kind of salvation at the end or if you thought pretty much this was going to end badly for them. I mean, I was pretty sold. I don't, like, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I was pretty sold by the time the girls like, like explaining to him, like, look, just wait for the three roosters. And I was like, I'm pretty sold on. I, I trust her. I trust her more than I trust, you know, the, the shaman. And I trust her more than because it. it's like by the end of the movie, it's like, uh, you know, you could pause it. And you're like, all right, who do I who do I trust in this situation? And it's like, I trust. Like she hasn't done it. Like I haven't seen her do anything. I saw the pictures on the guy's wall of all the fucking, you know, mm -hmm. like. Uh, so it's like, so I was like, yeah, I don't, if he, if he runs right now, like it's going to be bad when he gets there. I don't know if I was necessarily expecting like that much carnage, but. I mean, as a, as a dad, I'd probably freak out if some person had like a, a, a knickknack of my child's in their possession. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like that's creepy as hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it, there's so it's impossible to trust anybody in this. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the shaman's the one. I don't know. He's just like yeah. gave me ten thousand dollars, and I could do this death hex. And like he's driving. He seems like he's like the the probably the only trustworthy person in the in the film. Uh, you know, uh, you know, up to that point, because like like the first time you're watching that, you don't know he's uh you know which side he's on. You feel um, at best he's opportunistic and he's not really on either side. Yeah, yeah. he's just doing he's, it for the money, you know. But then he threw those coins and rice and and saw something in there and and. Uh, you know, started started trying to help the guy. Um, don't, don't know what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's definitely a movie I'd watch. Um, but yeah, like I I don't know. So that that moment though is like crazy. Like it really is like Spider Man pointing at each other. Like uh, yeah, is is Spider Man the the plural of Spider Man? Spider Man's pointing at each other. But like everybody, like, it's a bunch I of like the amount of yeah. I like the amount of emotion that the men showed in this movie. There, there was so much grief and there's, there was so much like these, these guys were ready to kill for him and his little girl and the, the grief showing um, on them when the, the Japanese guy got away. And then the, the, the grief on the Japanese guy's face is he's just trying to move and you can see how much pain he's in. And it's just, mm -hmm. Well, there's really... a sense of there's a sense of community from the beginning of the film yeah. where he's like oh that's like the ginseng um salesman or whatever the you know the farmer horror. and yeah. like they all yeah. they all know that that's the ginseng farmer and his wife yeah. and they know the wife and it's like you know it's like they're in a rural town where you know everybody and obviously as a police officer you probably get to know everybody more even though everyone's like yo fuck off cop like we know right. <laughs> <laughs> but i really but, like, think it yeah. added to the ending like because he was so emotive and screaming in those other scenes when he went dead it was way more meaningful to see him just like yeah catatonic which yeah. i i think also it's uh almost terrifying when they go to the the japanese guy's house and he has the pictures and the friend sees it the other two you know his nephew and uh the, the you know the the main police officer um they don't see it so yeah. and he isn't really able to tell them until they're in the car like oh this, the evidence is there which mm -hmm. like dude you're like at least just say evidence like but so he sees all of the the pictures of the bodies and everything and um that moment of like being catatonic sets you up for the end 
when mm-hmm. he's also like like the, it's like how much can you really take and it's another yeah. one of those tests i feel like like how much can you take and keep on going and um yeah. I, I like the emotive part of it doesn't really help him like he goes to the guy's house and just starts fucking everything up and you know obviously then kills the dog but like uh that that outburst of anger right like that doesn't scare a spirit away Mm-mm. even killing Mm-mm. the dog doesn't scare the spirit away right like you have to fight spirituality with spirituality which then makes sense that you call in like the shaman to you know to to try to exercise the spirit but he can't he doesn't have the ability to sit through that either which because it's like torturing his daughter which makes sense but like uh it's a solution that requires patience and so then you think back to when when the ghost woman at the beginning is like the, the woman stopped the death hex and that's why everybody died and she tells him that but he doesn't register anything in that moment but like I'm a cop and that could be a witness. Like that's mm-hmm. the naked girl from yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It almost feels like the character is going through stages of death. Like he's angry and then he's trying to bargain with the shaman. And, you know, and at the end we see him come to acceptance. So maybe it was more of an inevitable uh, ride that I thought it was going to be. Well, and, and I think uh, another conversation in this movie that uh, has some stuff into it is like, when they're asking like why did why does the ghost do this right and it's like well he's just fishing like there's no there's Mm -hmm. no reason that he latched on to the daughter it's just he's fishing and he found like you know he got the daughter he didn't expect that he was going to get the daughter he didn't expect he was going to get he's just fishing and he caught a fish like and Mm -hmm. for that to like so when he's like um at the end of it he's just lying there and you know you realize like there's nothing moral or amoral or immoral about him like necessarily right like i mean he reacted in a very human way but um like for for this whole thing like there's no reason for this it's not like he did i mean he stopped the the ritual which you know is the thing that that he should have known not to do but like there is no reason for the initial outbreak like it just you know it's just a village well, like the the uh the the spirit uh you know the village spirit said that uh he he sinned uh, and he blamed the wrong person yeah and uh that that actually kind of makes sense because uh if if the you know if the demon wasn't necessarily uh the one behind it if if uh the shaman was was part of that and he blamed i don't know i maybe well she i think i think she was saying like you blamed the wrong person in the same way that uh the old woman in the beginning that she's talking about she's like you know once the outbreak started she stopped the death hex and she was blaming uh other like other people in the family rather than blaming you know the the truth which was the the spirit mm-hmm. and you know if she had just sat through the ritual and let the you know let the ritual take its course um everything would have stopped so but it's the initial outbreak of it um though is, is just whoever right like it, it doesn't it's not it's food not like it's food yeah yeah it's not like you did something and then uh you know, it's not like you you did something and then it called a spirit to you and you've sinned in that way. Now, once the spirit gets there, the choices you make definitely are are the things that decide whether you're going to be the person whose entire family dies or not. But like the the initial outbreak of it has nothing to do with um, yeah, like sin or like uh, you know, any 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 choices, I guess. Which is talked about. Sorry, go ahead. Have we talked about the little girl? I mean, her acting was phenomenal. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. She stole the show. She really did. And the scenes with her and her father where he's bribing her <laughs> to yeah. not talk about what, what she's seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or uh, the, another part of it is like when he when he's looking at her leg 
and he like moves up her leg and then she has like the boils on her leg and she wakes up in that moment and she's like oh you're touching my leg you what are you fucking molesting me or something get out of here and like is screaming at him and it's like yeah. those moments of just pure uh anger and like like adult rage are oh, so yeah. crazy coming mm -hmm. out of like the mouth of this like little girl yeah holy cow I'm glad that that happened in that scene, though, because as soon as that he started to be like looking for more boils, I'm like, hey, you know, there's a point at which she should either wake up or this, you gotta leave. So it, it uh, yeah, yeah, you found the evidence you're looking for, for. Just stop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was gonna say about the like lack of meaning for the initial outbreak. It's like very. That's what's even frightening, more frightening, like because we look to God for meaning. Mm -hmm. And to see the gods choose randomness is like, ugh, I don't care yeah. for that. Well, I mean, that's a that's a fairly uh, Christian sentiment. Whereas, as, uh, like heathens, oh, the gods were just capricious as fuck. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, you, yeah. you, you expected it. You would ask for help, but, you, you know, maybe you'd get it. Maybe you wouldn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This, this whole, the whole movie, like, kind of feels like something out of, like, a different era. Like each you know like once once you realize it's just like a series of tests and in, in each thing it's like will the test uh work or will it not i mean we kind of talked about this kind of thing with like uh bo is afraid when we're talking about like the hero's journey and how he fails every step of the hero's journey and it. so it's kind of like an inverted mythology this movie feels the same way like it's inverted mythology like uh in in a situation where probably like the the, the uh, like a hero that knows what's going on or even if he doesn't like a hero that's kind of feeling his way through everything would eventually realize what's going on in some way and then make the right choices um yeah. and there's just no no like he doesn't make the right he doesn't have the patience and he doesn't have the uh foresight to let things take their course in any point in this movie it's the impulsiveness yeah. i think of which makes sense of your daughter's you know like dying in front of you but like um the, yeah. the fact that he doesn't the fact that he can't just sit still and uh let let each solution take its course and um not react instantaneously and emotionally well you know by by wailing i guess you can <laughs> like yeah. uh the the, the yeah. fact that he can't um control his emotions and just sit through it and he can't treat that as like a rational exercise i guess like is the reason that like things keep getting worse for two yeah. and a half hours and yeah. it's he's completely reactive throughout the entire movie there's no real proactive there's no real planning it's just once his especially once his daughter gets involved he's gone it's yeah. it's all reacting mm -hmm. i was gonna say he feels like a child a lot which is the same similar yeah. to bo is afraid where, you know, we, we see him infantilized by his mother. And I wouldn't say the mother in this infantilizes uh, the child too much. But, like, he's embarrassed that his daughter sees them having sex. Like, there's a lot of things where he just doesn't feel like a full adult, let alone someone's dad. Yeah. You, you wonder what, how he got the badge. I mean, how did he become a cop? But, <laughs> but apparently all of them are kind of bumbling. So fair enough, you know. <laughs> well, it's like a, it's a rural, it's a rural village where you have to imagine yeah, stuff just, doesn't really. Everybody's Barney Fife. Yeah. 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 Stuff doesn't happen too often, you know, like people don't like because the the reaction to it in general, like the cop or the the, the, the the police chief is in a completely different city. Uh, you know what I mean? When when the outbreak happens, like just doing something else and he's in charge and they kind of just cordon it off and they don't really know what to do. And then he gets, you know, the, the woman charges him and he doesn't really know how to get her even off him. And they have to have like three cops to get a woman, off, like an old woman off of him, which 
she has like rage virus so she's you know probably stronger than your average old woman but like still like there's just there's so much like the 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 scrambling to react to it right like it is happening in all in all quarters of this movie mm-hmm. and again people ignore the sheer science of like why are the crazy victims trying to bite people yeah it's the mushrooms yeah well i mean it's you've, you've got the host that has the parasite that needs to infect others with the parasite and it could just be as simple as that that your transmission vector is biting Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, but the police don't even think about it. They're just like, you couldn't get that old lady off yourself. Like she was trying to bite me. I know, right? It's like how many how many people did it take to pull that old lady off? Shut up. <laughs> Who tried to bite you today, and how well did you handle it? Exactly. Exactly. And then that other dude like bit that dude's cheek right off. Right. Oh my god. Oh. Well, that was, <sighs> yeah. There were definitely a few scenes that were very visceral uh, with the special effects, which I thought were done well, because sometimes, you know, it just doesn't read very well. Even the scene where he's like just spewing out of his oh face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. None of it seemed really uh, egregious. Mm-hmm. No, it felt, I, I instead of feeling nauseated, I had this feeling of like, oh, he's, he can't breathe. Like there's just like, you know, drowning and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and fear. It was a very effective way to make me question if the woman was truly evil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so much like bodily fluids in, the, in this movie. <laughs> like he just... Yeah. But just and... someone screaming over me, trying to bite me, drooling. That's yeah. drooling is the cutoff point. Like you could be trying to bite me, but drooling, especially if it falls on my mouth. No, we're done. We're done. I want to do over. Oh, ah. What do you guys think of? What do you guys think of the scene uh, where the shaman is stopped by the you know the the town ghost woman, and he just starts vomiting blood and like whatever else. Yeah, all that's. Over the... Yeah. 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 We were just saying it it was effective in making me feel really worried for the shaman and not like because a lot of times when vomit comes out that quickly and it's like from the sleeve and it feels like a tube, you just wind up laughing. But in that moment I was truly like, I think this lady is evil. Yeah. It's, it's right up there with uh yeah. that scene of possession, you know. Where- mm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I feel like my brain's melted a lot. Yeah, play um, the gift. Watching <laughs> Watching this and uh, you know possession and this movie in the same like month and a half space, like they're just they're both you know like they they have even like a similar vomiting scene. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I don't care for that. Which we do have as a gif. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's great that that the effects look so good too. Which um, oh yeah. Kind of goes back to what the uh, uh, the guy was saying about you know how good the uh, uh, <laughs> um, you know how, how great uh, you know Korean films are, which there are a lot of great ones. Oh yeah, I watched some mediocre ones, and those are still pretty good. Oh um, yeah, I guess it's like that old joke I heard in uh, college: uh, why is sex like pizza? When it's bad, it's good, and when it's uh, when it's great, you no, know, what's good is great, and when it's bad, it's still pretty good. <laughs> Which is Korean cinema is like pizza, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no do letterboxed, letterboxed one-liners. Let's do it. So, 
Uh, Letterboxd, for people who don't know, is a service online where people can go and review films. And anybody can review them. You don't have to be a Siskel or an Ebert. Uh, um, it's kind of, as uh, as we like to say, a, an even playing field for people. And we pull off the one line kind of funny ones about the film to sort of discuss at the end. And that's what we're going to do right now. How can you trust a man who wears a Nike jacket with an Adidas track pants? <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, like, uh, a fair question. You know, <laughs> align with one brand. You should have known right there from the beginning. All those subtle things, like the not bronze knife, this as well. Yes. I mean, but like two stars, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Come yeah. on, dude. There well, were so if fashion is the only reason you're watching this movie, surely there are other things to watch. There are also so many yeah. reviews for this movie that were very long, in-depth. People really wanted to talk about how this movie affected them. So I did actually have trouble finding one-liners. Oh, wow. Oh, my God, right? Can there be an Oscar yes. for outstanding screaming performance? And can a child be eligible for nomination? Yeah, she and was I amazing. She was really amazing. That had to have been hard to direct. I feel like it's hard to direct kids in, in genuine kind of emotion like that. I find myself wondering if she needed counseling after this movie. Yes, you can know? a movie traumatize a child like, like that? Holy crap, right? I mean, she just, holy crap. She probably was not allowed to see it when it came out. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. What the fuck, brah? I was really <laughs> rooting for that little old man right until the last act. <laughs> I wonder. Well, no, that's a that's a white person, I guess. It'd be funny if it was like a Japanese person. I was like, come on, man, I was rooting for you. We could have made some inroads with the South Korean community. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Once they started chasing him through the woods, I was like, I don't know. I kind of rooting for this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Probably the most pathetic and useless protagonist in cinema. And I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was a, an effective sad sack. The Exorcist <laughs> Halloween special, Pazuzu, goes to Korea. <laughs> uh, I would watch. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. I would watch too. Never before have I wanted to immediately rewatch a movie that's two and a half fucking hours long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about that. Like, you definitely need to rewatch it for all of the little bits, but it is a long movie. Yeah, it is. In conclusion, Ooh. trust a woman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Believe women. <laughs> Me and the boys fighting a demon with a broom handles and rake. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead I, style, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, it was totally had, Shaun of the Dead style. Do you guys know if Korean cops get guns? Like, they, they, didn't. They, didn't, they didn't have them in this movie or uh, Memories of Murder. Like, they, no, they, no they, uh, they, they have to, only for special occasions do they get guns. Because okay. I definitely found my birthday, here's a gun, bro. A gun. <laughs> Wondering, like, why did they choose these weapons? It's a demon. Yeah, yeah. Old me would have made some lame but still hilarious joke here. I am not the same person I was before I started this movie. Profound. <laughs> Moving. Because, you know, you've been taken over by the by the demon. Exactly. 
Should have used anti-itch cortisone for the rash, bro. Shaking my head, <laughs> shitty parenting. Instead Damn. of like, you know, the, the herb will not get struck by lightning uh, or not die from getting struck by lightning concoction. I did Damn. find myself thinking like they went to the dermatologist. They're in the hospital. Nobody's talking about ointments of any kind. Mm. Nobody's really right? talking about the rash. Yeah. The rash would have been a good name for this movie, by the way, if it wasn't the wailing. <laughs> the wailing. <laughs> I definitely think there was a fair amount of screaming, so I believe it was well named. Mm. And the name of the village translates into the whale, mm. like like the animal. Uh, I'm assuming like the scream, but uh, uh, okay. I don't speak Korean, so I don't know. That's just what I heard online, and uh, we'll go with it. Oh, fair enough. Correct us in the chat. <laughs> the, the Korean name for this movie is Gokshun, which is like the town that the movie takes it, place. It's in. missing the e in the in the yeah. in the town, but interesting. All right. Final thoughts? Oh, uh, we Andy do has to plugs. do the plug. Oh, I always plug skip away. plugs. Plug yeah, because yeah, you away. don't want to do the plug. But if you're watching us right now on YouTube, please do those YouTube things like comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And of course, the big ask is watch the video to the end. Uh, you get to hear a great Conan Neutron song, and that allows us to get found by other movie fans. Uh, it's the weird way the algorithm works. So you must serve the algorithm. If you're over on uh, Twitch, do the Twitch things. Throw us a sub. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe to this channel for free. Does not cost you anything, but greatly helps us out. So, so if you can, please do that. Um, find us on social media. We're we're on uh, Twitter. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Blue Sky. So, so if uh, uh, you choose to be on any of those sites, uh, you can find us uh, wherever you choose to get your social media. Um, we do have a Patreon, so please uh, go over there. You, with uh, Patreon, we get access to things like our past after parties, which we've had some fun ones. Um, uh, I brought this up in chat. Nobody answered. Are, are we? Uh, did we want to do an after party tonight? Don't know. Forrest isn't here right now. Yeah, who knows? We'll figure that out. We'll figure um, it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it live. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we... Um, uh, you know, if you think this show is uh, a little off the rails at times, that's where we totally get off the rails. But, you know, sometimes we have great conversations, uh, continue more about the movie. So uh, if you want to see more content or uh, you want to see us um, uh, go with our Oscar predictions with our guests, which is what we did last year, which is a lot of fun. Um, you know, go, go go subscribe. Check those out. You know, I, I think so. I do probably do every party next week. I'm like not feeling that good today. So, mm -hmm. OK. No yeah, definitely should do one next week because we didn't do one last week either. So, yeah. So it's kind but of like it, the bumpers get taken off the conversation and everything's allowed, mm -hmm. which is a great world for you, Andy, because I feel like you often get like accused of going off topic, but mm -hmm. I guess there is no topic. So go free. Not for the after party. I can just <laughs> go crazy. Um, sure. Conan's on tour, but uh, if, you, if you want a little bit more Conan in your life, um, check out his podcast, Protonic Reversal. I'm going to recommend to you the episode uh, 270 with a special guest, Chris Murphy of Sloan, who has also been on this program twice. So um, go ahead, check that out. I'm a big Sloan fan um, and, and uh, enjoy that. Uh, but if you want to get some music, uh, you know, go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. You can get his new album that he's on tour with right now, Adult Prom. Um, he's uh, in Reno tonight. So so if you're out of the West Coast and you're near Reno, um Whenever we're done here, hop in your car, run over to Reno and go see Conan. You win. Um, yeah, Tony, Tony lost two bucks in the uh, in the uh, casinos. 
give Tony his two bucks back. Uh, so there you go. Um, and out there, and uh, but then they're going to uh, Eugene, Portland, uh, Bellingham, and Seattle after that. So um, if you're in any of those cities, you know, um, uh, you're, you're on notice, go see Conan. Christina couldn't join us either tonight, but she does have a Patreon. So go to um, uh, patreon.com slash uh, cosmopolitics to help her out. Um, Tomorrow's uh, her birthday, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, I know it's coming up soon. I don't remember which day it is. Yeah. Go give her the birthday treat. Yeah. Wear a cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, she does have a coffee. I don't know if she's still using her coffee, but she did have a coffee where you could give her coffee, but you can still go, go check out her Patreon. Um, KT. Oh, yes. So you can always watch Girl in the Basement. If you like a horror movie, if you watch this movie and you're like two and a half hours, that was long. I wish I could watch a horror movie that was 32 minutes long. You can go to YouTube and you can watch Girl in the Basement, which is the story of a woman who <clears throat> is captured by a serial killer. And on the day that he would have killed her, he accidentally dies on top of the exit. This is a story of how she deals with trying to get out. Uh, it's also an allegory for anorexia. So enjoy that terror. It's body horror too. So if you don't like graphic stuff, don't watch it. <laughs> if you'd like something a little more easy, you could always find me in the Starwell Foundation, which is a story about uh, a world where superheroes exist. And there is a Make-A-Wish Foundation that normally gets kids to be able to talk to superheroes. Kids have now started to request to speak to supervillains. And our main character is in charge of making that happen. I play one of the uh, tele like, telekinesis. Is that the one where you move stuff or where you can read people's yep, minds? Yeah, telekinetic. Telekinetic. Oh, I read moving stuff. No, I read people's minds. Sorry. The other telepathic. One. Yeah, that's telepathic. telepathic. Yeah. I'm a telepathic Russian supervillain, and I'm also the host of the podcast Inside the Podcast, uh, which explores how all of the murders and stuff inside the super world happen. It's really fun. It's by opinions may vary, and you can get it wherever podcasts are out. Fun. And of course, uh, Jada, you're you're here, which is exciting. You, uh, we met because you wrote some books, and you were at conventions I was at. I did. Um, I did. Yeah, which uh, was the uh, the Vengeance Cycle series, which is the only thing I could find online. Um, yeah, those are the I, I wrote. Um, it never ends, and uh, Devil's Gambit, and uh, someday I'll get started on book three. <laughs> In between all the other weird stuff I do throughout the course of my life. <laughs> yeah, which is including uh, repairing the chalice, restorative intimate healing. Yes, I am a I'm an intimacy coach, so I work with uh, single people or couples. Um, on uh, difficult conversations around intimacy. And, uh, you know, I suck at plugs. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine you're not like wearing a striped shirt going like yellow card, offsides. No, no, no. I, right now I'm just wearing my, uh, my white vault t-shirt. So. <laughs> well, you seem to wear a lot of very fascinating hats. I, I do, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a juggling act, but it, uh, I make it work. So. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, do you have a website yeah. where we could find your info? I do. Repairingthechalice.com uh, um, is my business. For, I'll add that uh, to the, I'll add that to the, uh, to the, to the show notes. Oh, thank you. And then uh, jadaadams.com is just me, my blog. Yeah. I found, I found your blog and added that to the show notes, but I don't think it's the, uh, I don't know if it's the right. It was like the WordPress one. 
no, that's that's my personal blog. And then repairing the chalice is the the um, intimacy coaching. And and Ninja Cooter is you on tw Twitter? Ninja Cooter is me everywhere. <laughs> nice. It's a great name. I'm, oh, I'm impressed you got the handle. You know, I, you didn't I, have to put a number on it or anything. I've had it for a long time. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think I think that's it. I, well, I'm like, wait, do I have any plugs? No, I don't do think I do. Plugs? I don't think I have any plugs. Um, All right. Uh, Jada, do you have some final thoughts for this movie? Oh gosh, uh, you're you're gonna want to watch it a couple times. Uh, the cinematography is beautiful. Um, it just pretty much everything about this movie is beautiful. The location it's shot in, the the yeah, just go see it. It's you're gonna get you're gonna get some phenomenal actors um, at the at the top of their craft. Quite frankly, yeah, for sure. Uh, Andy, final thoughts. Yeah, just to build on that, the, the script is uh, just phenomenal and it doesn't, it gives you just enough to, uh, to to sit there and want to argue about the ending of it. And lots of people do. So, you know, uh, after you watch this movie, you can go to the bar and, and pick a fight with somebody over the ending of it. Um, <laughs> I it's mean, got to be like a Korean bar. I don't know how many, well, I think a lot of <laughs> American people probably watch it, but, you know, it's, I don't know if you're going to find some guy at the bar and be like, have you seen, who here has seen The Wailing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just in the whale. Go to the go um, to a bar in Flushing Queens. That's what you got to do. Yes, there you go. Um, and uh, make direction. sure make sure you pee before you get on the subway. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> because well, we went we went to the city and we had to go to from uh from like Manhattan to Queens on like a on like the subway and it was like taking forever and I really had to pee the entire time. And there was nowhere to pee and then the the subway kept going Flushing, Flushing and I was like, well, <laughs> you don't have to remind me of that. <laughs> like that's unnecessarily cruel yeah well what was really cruel is whatever i said just don't think about flushing and he's yeah. just glaring and at then, me don't think about don't think about flushing and then the the, then the subway we go next stop flushing and it's like well now i can't help myself <laughs> i need a i need a shaman to give me like a you know don't have to pee anymore hey there you go it's a it's a pee exorcism. <laughs> You're a diaper. They they cover this in the movie, dude. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You just have to have a diaper. Would, it, would, it, would that be a pexorcism? Because you know, pecker. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> um, but uh KT, you got some final thoughts? I I basically agree with you guys. It is an incredibly atmospheric movie. Um, it's definitely something that you're gonna have to spend some time with and watch. Uh a lot of times people say they don't want to watch a movie with subtitles because you can't like do anything else. Well, this isn't a kind of movie where you could have done anything else anyway, because you really have to be watching. Mm -hmm. um, I will warn you that it is long. So if you're not in it to watch a two and a half hour movie, you really have to pay attention to like, make sure you're in the right mindset or you might not, you might miss out and enjoying something that could be really good. If you don't look it's around once in a while, you just might miss it. Um, yeah. I, I think Try to put yourself in the mindset of I'm watching a Bollywood yeah. production that's three or four hours long and then it'd be set. Exactly. I, I feel like this movie, uh, much in the way that, you know, if you call a shaman in, the, the shaman doesn't have to be helpful, right? Like the shaman could be working with the, the bad spirits. And this movie is a vibe movie. But you have to remember that not all vibes are, you know, happy, positive vibes. Some vibes are horrifying. Oh.